So I think this is going to be the last episode on stress. Now, each of these episodes could be way more expansive um, on it and strategies to deal with it and understanding it more for sure. But I think the general concept is, or concepts are getting out. And this last piece of stress I'm thinking about is related to when you actually are very physically stressed and how your performance drops. So Think of it not so much performance anxiety, like kind of like your anxiety before you're about to do something, but like say like an accident happens and now you have this huge stressor and you have to deal with it. It's kind of a big deal. And when you're actually in, anytime you're stressed or your clients are stressed, you're going to perform less optimally. That is 100% true. And depending on that level of stress, it can be just a little bit, you know, less optimal to like completely shutting down. That can be reality. But for us as guides and instructors, we actually have to be ready if a worst case scenario event happens. And it's really a weird skill set and understanding place to be in to actually have skills that you never want to have to use but be as good as they possibly can be in an incredibly stressful scenario. So think about like an avalanche and having to dig somebody out. Whether you're a recreational user or a professional, like you never want to do that, but you want to do it super well and timely if it were to happen. Think about a medical situation. It could be anything. Someone has an allergic reaction, someone gets hurt um, from rock fall or ground fall or anything like that, you know, and now you have to be the first responder and maybe even the person who does the whole thing, not only first responds, but actually organizes and sets in motion the, the extrication plan. So incredibly stressful. And until you experience those real world stressors, you're not going to fully appreciate what stress will do to you and how to maybe get better at them in the future. So for example, a bunch of years ago, kind of the very first um, scene that I came to where I was the first responder of a major accident, um, not the first time I'd been involved with major accidents and being part of the rescue team. But the first time I was like the first person there, there was a person next to me who took about a 40, 45 foot ground fall, about a hundred feet away from me. And I heard it start to happen. You're like, "Uh uh-oh. And then caught it out of the corner of my eye and watched them hit the ground and land. It was a really bad landing. And I'll tell you right now, bodies hitting the ground, they look and sound exactly how you think they would. And all of a sudden I had a client and all of a sudden I had to be like, go deal with this thing. And long story short, when I went to, once I kind of did scene safety and all that stuff, when I actually went to engage with that person, they were completely unconscious, pretty banged up, you know, broken helmet, the whole deal in a really bad position. And like, I literally thought they were dead. They eventually did come back through the levels of consciousness from, you know, completely unconscious, pain, verbal, and then really awake, but, you know, not very responsive, very disoriented to very combative, to combative, to be honest. 
And, but when I first got there, I was like, this person's dead. And I had to control the scene and I was in completely stressed out. And when you're at that level of stress, especially when it's your first time, you, if you don't shut down, you're going to go and resort to the most fundamental things that you can remember and that you trained on. And I remember specifically dealing with, I need to call out because this is beyond my scope of medical capacities. I need to get resources moving to me. So I made the call and I specifically remember talking about this in a somewhat for class I had taken because I've taken a lot of them where you make the call the very first thing you do is you say where you are. So if that way the call cuts, they at least know where you are. The second thing is you say what you need. So if the call cuts after that, they know where you are and what you need. And the last thing you say is what the problem is, right? So, and I, I just remember that from that moment in that accident, like being very specific and intentional about that order and making that call out and then moving forward with um, doing this, um, stabilizing this person and kind of getting them, moving them and getting them ready for the search and rescue team to show up and um, kind of like gotten more into the flow. And that was a pretty formative experience for me. And I've had to deal with more um, accidents for sure. And, um, you know, sometimes they're very, very minor, but I've also had to deal with several more ground fall incidents. And I have to admit, like my comfort level with that is significantly better now. It's almost like, all right, it's like a switch gets flipped and I'm like, all right, time to go do, go to work, time to do my job. Like this will be stressful. I'm just going to do the best I can, but you just need to calm down and move forward, right? Nice and smoothly and just go for it as best you can. We're not going to rush into this. And without that initial experience, I would not be prepared to do this job. And so when I've had guides that I've known actually had to deal with their initial experience. And I'm thinking about a couple um, friends of mine who had to deal with a rescue at the sea cliffs. Kind of a person wasn't wildly hurt, that had a broken leg, but now they're at the bottom of this 50-foot sea cliff with waves pounding them. So the scenario was actually much more significant. You know, and I never wish anybody to go into these or have to deal with these. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad they did. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that person got hurt. They ultimately ended up being fine. But for the guides, it was a really important lesson on, A, try not to get hurt, try not to get in an accident, but B, how to deal with a very challenging situation. Um, and they had a specifically challenging situation because they had a, actually some environmental conditions that were out of the norm, probably for most climbing and skiing events. Um, but they're going to be better guides for it. I was just talking to this person who just finished up a course with me this past weekend and similar thing, they want to get into some ski guiding and they mentioned that they had, we were talking about some of their credentials. Oh, do you have a woofer? Like, oh no, we, um, we're getting my woofer, but I, I'm a woofer, but I had to do a lot of calls. I was just out climbing the other day at this crag and someone fell and you know broke their ankle and I, and I was like the primary person with the most skill to help them and, and, and like actually extricate them out to the road. And I'm like, I wish you didn't have to see that, but you're going to be much better off knowing that and having that experience because if you play this game long enough, you are going to be part of something. Maybe it's a huge event, like lights out event. Maybe it's just a minor event, but you can't play this game in the mountains without being a part of that. Could be part of your group or you could walk into it, especially as 
as the mountains are getting more and more crowded, there's more and more opportunity for that to happen. So I think my main takeaway on this is get good at all the skills, right? Especially the ones that are focused around, well, prevention, get really good at those skills, right? For sure, because I'd rather not get an accident, but don't skimp on the other skills that you need to perform optimally in an incredibly stressful situation. Beacon searches, technical rescue. So understand not just a sequence, but the tools that make up the sequence, the Lego blocks. So that way you can create the solution that's appropriate for the situation and be super comfortable with all of those skills. You have to do it. Be really comfortable, you know, try to get, re- refresh your medical skills, right? So it's not uncommon for me to pull out a woofer book, you know, several times a year and put it on my bedstand and kind of like thumb through it at night, you know, and kind of do that or some avalanche stuff, you know. None of us are going to be equally good at all of those things. Like some people come to this with a super strong wilderness medicine background and rescue background. Some of us come to this with a super strong technical background or a super strong, you know, Abby background, whatever. So the key is once again, not to just work on what you're really good at, keep that in good working order, but also work on the things that you're not good at that deal with this in particular. Because it is amazing how stress will shut you down. And oftentimes when I look at tools that have been designed to do certain things and certainly techniques that have been designed to do certain things, and sometimes even the instruction of how to use those tools and techniques, um, so the design of that instruction. And like sometimes I'm like, they didn't really account for stress in this. It's all fine and dandy when we learn this in the classroom or the weather's good and we're kind of practicing things. Oh, pretend this person's hurt. you know. But then when you're actually stressed or maybe part of that stressor is you have less equipment um, or some other weather factors or environmental factors, like oftentimes when I look at things critically, I'm like, this wasn't really designed for when this for someone to perform this when they're actually under real stress at all. So that's a really interesting way of kind of reevaluating some of the things you've done or seen and say, well, how can I make this simpler or more robust to help mitigate the stress piece when it happens? Now, part of this means you have to be in stressful situations, which is hard because most of us don't like that. Sometimes stress is good. A certain amount of stress is nice because it keeps us kind of focused, but we need to practice things in stressful situations. I think role-playing is a really awkward stressful situation. It's not my favorite. Like I feel like I perform much better in real-world scenarios because you actually have to do things, but sometimes you just got to role-play, right? So you got to get yourself out. That means go out and practice these skills when the weather sucks, right? Not just when it's good or inside. Like get out there, add some stressor into this, right? Obviously, time components can make things stressed at, uh, more stressful. And even though I mentioned this in the beginning episode on stress about like trying to detune our client's stress um, and make it as least stressful as possible, at the same time, sometimes we need to incorporate stress into our progressions for them. And that can be for various reasons in multiple different ways to get them more resilient, right? Because part of getting better at something, kind of getting stronger is to work that muscle, right? So if you want to be better at stress, you need to kind of introduce some stress in a progression so they 
or you can work on getting more resilient to that stress and being able to perform more optimally. So sometimes we actually do add stress into a scenario as we're teaching or guiding or mentoring to get those people ready or more ready to deal with stress either later on. So that maybe it's just a climbing thing. I'm going to try you out on this piece of terrain. So that way when we go to do this thing later, that's kind of more exposed, you'll be more likely to be able to deal with it well because you've already dealt with some stuff stressful over here. Or maybe it is more of like a rescue type thing like, okay, let's make this super stressful um, and as, as in an organic way as possible, which is really challenging. So that way when you actually may have to do this in the field, you'll maybe be able to perform more optimally. So I do think this piece of how stress affects us, especially when we have to respond with skills that we don't want to use ever, is a pretty interesting thing for us to try to maintain um, as guides and instructors. So, you know, get out there, do some beacon searches, get a partner, go do some hauling or some blade transfers or some knot passes, you know, so that way you're actually ready to go do the thing that you want to do um, for an objective for your guiding.